What's going on, everybody? I am your host, Kenneth Callaway, and this is another episode of the Callaway Sports Podcast. And to get right to it, man, uh, we'll be covering UFC 264, Poirier versus McGregor 3. A freak accident did happen last night, but Dustin Poirier got his hand raised. We'll be covering that. Uh, we don't have a very big episode besides covering UFC 264. We'll cover the old Connor versus the new Connor, as well as our spotlight athlete, which will be Jermel Charlo, the 154-pound champion. And uh, that's pretty much it, man. I hope y'all enjoy. I hope y'all y'all have had a great weekend. I know I have. But uh, y'all know what it is, man. It's Callaway Sports Podcast. I'm going to let this instrumental run. Seen it all. Jeezy and Jay-Z. UFC 264. Coming up next. People, let's get right into the UFC 264 recap of the main event, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. They look to close a chapter in their trilogy. Conor won the first fight at 145 back in 2014. Dustin Poirier won a rematch in January of this year at lightweight 155. <clears throat> Not going to go uh, into the real deep details of how we got here. Just know that uh, it was a lot of bad blood going into this, this third fight. Uh, but uh, right from the get go, man, I just I just felt like uh, Conor came out the uh, with the right game plan. Uh, fight Dustin at kicking range. He came out with two spinning back kicks. That was very very nice. I feel like uh, that's what he needed to do coming into this fight. The last fight he fought more at the boxing range that you know led to Dustin really killing him with the calf kicks. So uh, he came out very good. Uh, he landed some good shots. Um, I believe he hurt Dustin with a solid, solid left hand. But Dustin did a good job. Like I said, man, Dustin has matured so much since that 2014 loss. He's He's been able to bounce back and, you know, really just come to his own. He was able to uh, throw some good shots back at Conor that was able to get Conor to really back up. Conor was landing some nice, nice leg kicks. Uh, but uh, the fight ended up going to the ground. They clinched up. Conor actually jumped for a guillotine, which is more of Dustin Poirier's move. He jumped, you know, he jumped the guillotine. I felt like going to this fight if Dustin Poirier was gonna win, I didn't think it was uh, that it was gonna be by knockout again. I felt like it was gonna be by submission with the guillotine. But Conor ended up jumping the guillotine. Uh, it was tight at one point. Dustin defended very well, jumped to the opposite side of the choke, ended up getting out of it, landing some solid, solid ground to pound was. Landing some hard elbows on Connor. Connor was landing some hard elbows on him. Some solid, solid up kicks coming from Connor. But uh, coming from that, the moment they stood back up, uh, both men looked to trade left hands. Connor uh, pivoting on that uh, on that back leg. Something snapped, and it was very, very tough to see. Man, it, it was it was very hard to see. I'm not I'm not very, very good at watching things like that, man. Those. Those breaks and things like that definitely make my make my flesh crawl, man. But um, 
it looked like it was an ankle watching it live or the foot, you know. I immediately thought that he broke his foot. But now seeing uh, reports, uh, it was actually his tibia. So I, I believe it may be a broken or a fractured tibia. But other than that, man, uh, the fight ended on that. It was Dawson Stoppage, a TKO victory for Dustin Poirier. And uh, Connor will be out for a while. I mean, that's that's clear as day. If you're watching it, if you've seen the recaps or the replays of what really, you know, went down. Connor had a nasty injury, man, and it's very, very unfortunate because of what was said in the lead-up to this fight. Um, he was saying that, you know, Dustin was going to pay with his life and, you know, Dustin was going to leave the octagon on the stretcher and uh, it ended up being Connor. So that just shows that, you know, I definitely agree with what Dustin said. Karma is not, you know, a B. I, you know, y'all know the word. Karma is not a B, but she's a mirror. And uh, Connor kind of got what was coming to him, man. You know, you just don't say nasty things like that, <clears throat> especially in a in a violent sport like mixed martial arts is. So, but other than that, man, I'm uh, happy for Dustin because he'll be getting the title shot with. Charles Oliveira, most likely towards the end of this year. So, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get some news about that in the next coming months. Uh, as for Connor, you know, we all wish him a, a a speedy recovery. We hope to see him back. It's just tough to see uh, Connor go down like that. Um, as far as what's next for both, men, uh, for both men, we know what's next for Dustin. As for Connor, you know, Dana White said that he's definitely interested in uh, doing Conor versus Dustin a full time, just due to the way that the fight um, ended. You know, that's that's a tough way to you know end the trilogy. <clears throat> but uh, I agree. I feel like you know we should do it another time. I feel, uh, you know I feel like there's a lot of things that just wasn't accomplished. In this fight, and like I said, man, you know, bad blood sells. It's, it's it's definitely bad blood between those guys. So to see the full time would be nice. I wouldn't want to see it immediately for Connor. Uh, instead, I would like to see him, you know, get a tune up fight, you know, before you go back in there with Dustin because Dustin is, is hands down one of the best fighters in the world. Uh, and to jump right back in there with him, it'd be very very tough, man. But uh. I'm going to take a small break, man, and um, we're going to get into the old con versus the new Connor, what has changed and why we're not seeing the same Connor from 2015-2016 when he was on a tremendous run. Uh, but other than that, man, as usual, I thank y'all for tuning in uh, with me, and we'll be right back with old Connor versus new Connor. All right, man, let's get right into this, man. Like I said, uh, I wasn't planning on taking too much of y'all time today, man. Uh, old Conor versus New Conor, what has changed, man? For me, I've watched Conor since he debuted in uh, the UFC in 2013. April 6th, I believe, was the day that Conor made his UFC debut all the way up until now. So, as you know, I've been a fan. Uh, I've been a big fan of Conor. And I noticed the change in Conor. Um, you know, over the years, seeing his highs and, and, and now kind of seeing you know, his lows, especially, hit you know, 
the lowest and he hit outside of the cage. <clears throat> but to, you know, to really break this all down, man, uh, for those who are fans of Connor or, or for those who just know Connor, you know, have seen what he's done over the last few years, it's clear to see that it's a change in his trash talk now. We're in 2021. Um, if we go back to, let's say, 2014, when we really just key in on his rise, it started with the first fight with Dustin Poirier. And when when you really watch his trash, his trash talk of, uh, of, of Dustin, everything was very witty. Everything was very, very confident coming from Conor. And now, when you watch his fight with Habib, the lead-up to that, the lead up to this fight with uh, Dustin, everything seems more personal. You know, it's there are personal attacks that Connor is going at with his trash talk, which doesn't really sit well with me. And I really, really apologize if I sound weird talking or if I'm really just if I don't sound like my normal self, man. My my wisdom teeth are really pushing in, so it's. A struggle to talk, man, but I'm going to still get through this podcast. But even with his first fight with Dustin, the trash talk there, it was very witty. Everything was very, very, was very confident. It was very precise in the way that he, you know, felt like those fights were going to go. And it continued on with his fight with um, Chad Mendez, his fight with Aldo, his fight with... Uh, Eddie Alvarez, I mean, all those fights, when you go back and listen to that trash talk, Conor was very, very witty. He was very precise, and he was very confident in the way that he spoke, how those fights were going to go. And majority of the time, he was able to back that up and prove to us that what I say will go in this octagon. You know, so if you haven't had the chance, go back and listen to old Conor's trash talk. And with the new Conor's, trash talk we can go straight to his fight with um Khabib but you know honestly we can go to the with somewhat of the fight with Floyd you know some things that he said there was you know personal um but I'm gonna really talk about his MMA career you know coming back fighting um Khabib in 2018 that right there just showed me I'm like okay you know some things were witty but majority of them were personal with personal attacks towards Habib and his his just him, you know, his character as a man attacking his management and his father and things like that. So, um, of course, all of his trash talk will forever be entertaining to me. I just wasn't very impressed with it like I was back, you know, back then in 2014 and 2015. The mind games that Conor used to play with his um, opponents leading up to the fight. Um, look at his fight with Jose Aldo. Look at his fight with Dustin Poirier. Look at the way he mentally broke Jose Aldo down from the World Tour in 2015 to when they, I believe that was the summer 2015, until they finally fought uh, in December 2015. Of course, you know, Aldo uh, pulled out of the fight <clears throat> due to a rib injury, but when you seen the way he approached every press conference with Jose, 
every press conference with Dustin, even, you know, if they were um, seen crossing paths in the fighter um, hotel or at fighter meetings, it's just his approach to things, you know, the way that he's, you know, were, the way he kind of sized those guys up was completely different. You know, everything just seems much, much, much more angrier now. And I'm really trying to understand why the sudden change, you know, over the past few years. So the mind games to me personally has fallen. You know, the way that he approached the fight, the way that he approached his opponent was just, it was like everything was a, Connor had, to me personally, the way that I've seen it, everything was in its own category. He had the mental breakdown. He had the emotional breakdown. And then he had the physical breakdown, which is the actual fight. You go back to his first fight with Dustin once again. Um, they had met up in, I believe, the fighter hotel. They were staring at each other across the room. You know, Connor said something to Dustin. And once uh, Dustin left the room, he said to his coach, Mike Brown, I've never disliked somebody that much that I've ever fought. And that is the mental and emotional breakdown that Connor, you know, really just put on um, Dustin leading up into that fight to the point where, you know, any and everything that Connor did, you know, he got a very angry reaction out of Dustin. Now, over the years since that fight, Dustin has most definitely matured and, you know, he doesn't approach fights in a very angry and nasty way now. now and I feel like that has made him a much better fighter. For Connor, on the other hand, he has approached everything in an angry way. Now, his fight with Habib, he approached that in an angry way. This fight with Dustin, he approached in a very angry way. And I feel like that has caused him to lose those fights. Of course, well, not this one, but with the freak, you know, with the freak injury. But still, it's just not the same guy. The confidence doesn't seem the same with uh, Connor, you know. Once again, for example, the first fight with Dustin, just the way that he spoke of himself and the way that he spoke um, about the fight, his prediction of the fight, and, you know, everything he did actually came true, you know. He told Dustin that, you know, he told everybody it will be a first-round knockout, mark my words, and it was a first-round knockout. You know, he backed up everything that, you know, he backed up everything that he said in that first fight to now when you... Go back to the second fight with Dustin uh, in January. Everything just, it's, it's, it's small doubt to me. You know, even with his fight with uh, Cowboy and last year, uh, 2020, it's just, you know, maybe, possibly. Uh, it's just not the same confidence that we've seen from Conor, you know, just letting us know that it will be this. The fight will go this way. Now it's more of a, you know, I hope so, and possibly it's just everything doesn't seem certain, you know, to me coming from Connor now. And uh, I just feel like, you know, in a way that is an issue. And to me, it seems a lack, it, it, it seems like a lack of uh, confidence coming from him. But also, it's to me, it seems Connor lacks hunger. You know, he said coming to this fight that, you know, the hunger is there, and, and, and I just I just still don't see it just due to the fact that um, <clears throat> Connor has been at the top of the sport. You know, he was the first simultaneously two-way world champion. Uh, he's, made, he's made a lot of money. 
he took out the number one pound for pound guy in Jose Aldo back in 2015. So, you know, I mean, and he was seen as the number one guy in the business. You know, he was the face of the company. Um, and ever since then, you know, when you really just achieve that much success inside and outside your um, inside and outside the cage, you know, just certain things may certain things may not seem as important to him. You know, now I believe fighting is still important to him, but I just don't see it at the same level as it was when he was up and coming and and, and really had all these goals set for, you know, himself. The only goal that Conor can set for himself right now is just regaining his lightweight title. You know, that's pretty much it. Coming up in 2013 and 2014, he planned on cleaning out the featherweight division, going on to, you know, defeating Aldo, then becoming the two-way world champion, and all of these things. So he had a path, and, you know, he had a goal, and then a bigger goal, you know. It's just... How can I really put this? He broke down every single way he was going to, you know, impress the fans, impress the company, impress his, his his opponents. You know, he planned to clean out the division. He did that. He planned to defeat Aldo. He did that. He wanted to become a two-way world champion. He did that. Boom. And, and, and now he's the face of the company after he becomes a two-way world champion. Where do you go from there? You know, you're at the top of your game, you know, and, and you're seen as a number one guy. Me personally, what I feel that hurt Connor <clears throat> was definitely a was definitely just the time he spent outside of mixed martial arts when he went to go fight Floyd. He beat Eddie Alvarez in November 2016, UFC 205. He walked away from the sport. He prepared for the fight with Floyd. In 2017, and ended up fighting for it in 2000 in August of 2017. Doesn't and, and this is pretty much coming up on a full year out of mixed martial arts. Then he gets back in in the sport in October 2018, and you're fighting a top guy in Habib Nurmagomedov. You lose that fight. Everything that uh, that happened after the fight with you know the fighting outside the cage and things like that. It led to him being. Suspended. So now you miss all of 2019. And now you come back in January 2020. You fight Cowboy. It wasn't a it wasn't a long fight. It was a quick fight. And then you don't fight until January 2021. So Connor hasn't really gotten that that the miles back in the cage that he had back then when he was, you know, really just up and coming. You know, when leading up to the first fight with Dustin, he had defeated Diego Brandao, he had defeated Matt Holloway, he defeated um, Marcus Brimage. The only thing that kept Conor out of the cage was when he tore his ACL, but he got right back, you know, he healed up, got right back into it. He fought Dustin Poirier, and after he beat Poirier, he went uh, maybe like a few months after that. That was September 2014, I believe in January of 2015, he fought Dennis Seaver. Boom, now he's going into the big title fight with Jose Aldo, he had the world tour. Aldo pulled out, but he ended up fighting Chad Mendes. Boom. They rescheduled the fight with uh, Jose in December of 2015. He knocks out Aldo. Boom. He took some time off. Now we're leading. Uh, no, I take it back. That was December. He was back in there in March. He was planning to fight Rafael Dos Anjos. He pulled out, ended up fighting Nate, lost to Nate. 
Rematch with Nate came in August of 2016. Boom. He beat Nate. Got right back in there to fight Eddie Alvarez. Boom. So he was he was in the sport a lot. He, he was constantly fighting. He was constantly training. The time he spent out of the cage has really, I feel like, has really hurt Connor. You know, there's there's no other way to put it. He hasn't been in there. And when you look at Dustin Poirier, he has, you know. And I just feel like when you reach a certain level of success that Connor has uh, reached, you know, is is I don't want to say Connor has peaked out, but I do feel like just the time away has really hurt him and and taken away from you know the hunger that you know he had uh, that he had back then and and just the way that he looked at himself coming up around from 2013 to 20 you know 16 17 you know Connor had this larger than life self image of himself you know me personally I don't feel like we should have that you know perception of us but it's just it went to the aura that was Conor McGregor it was a confidence that you know he had um and for those people who believe that the old versus new uh Conor has something to do with fighting his fighting style, it has nothing to do with it. It's more of a mental thing with old versus new kind of, and, and that's why I decided to really key in on this because to me personally, it's important to key in on things like this, not just the fight, you know. One thing about Conor, I truthfully, I feel like he's going to always be able to fight no matter what style he brings out. It's just the mental part of it. It's not the same color to me. And that's why I want to talk about this on this podcast right after UFC 264. It's just, it's not the same color, you know. And I feel like his mental approach boosts his physical approach. I mean, the kid can, you know, Connor can fight. I mean, he's one of the best fighters in the world as well. But with most sports, Things are more mental than physical. And in this case, it's more mental with Connor. He's much more angry now, you know, at times. And I just feel like that's definitely hurting him. So let me know what y'all think about, you know, the fight last night. Let me know what y'all think of old Connor versus new Connor, if you care or if you don't. But our last segment is coming up, man. Like I said, this is a strictly, this is strictly. A combat sports podcast today. Coming up next, Spotlight Athlete, and we're going to close the show out. Jamel Charlo. Let's get right into it. All right, man, let's get right into our Spotlight Athlete for this episode. I, I, I took a little bit more time than what than what I expected with the old Conor versus new Conor. That's just, you know, me being very, very intrigued and, and, and passionate about that, man. But uh, Spotlight Athlete, man, is Jamel Charlo. Jamel Charlo is a 154-pound champion. He holds all the belts at 154 but one this Saturday. He will look to become the first undisputed champion at Super Welterweight. No boxer has ever been the undisputed champion at 154. That's holding all the belts. So I chose Jamel Charlo for that reason, being he's chasing greatness once again. Y'all know what the last one we chose Javante Tank Davis, who was chasing greatness. And now we got Jamel Charlo doing it as well. And uh, you got to know that I'm rooting for him. You got to know that I'm I'm rooting for him this Saturday. Mentally right now, in 2021, I feel like Jamel Charlo is, is, is 
as strong as ever, you know. Um, being able to bounce back from the loss to Tony Harrison in 2018, I feel like that was the best thing that happened to Jamel, you know, actually having to approach the fight game differently and, and, and having to dig deeper within himself to, you know, to really shape and mold himself in, in a different way, you know. I feel like that just made him stronger, you know. Everybody does, you know, losses happen. Um, and it's up to you to to decide whether it's going to make you or break you. You know, it's some people who have a crucial loss and they can never, you know, really just bounce back from. Um, Jamel Charlo showed us otherwise. He came back and he got revenge against Tony Harrison the following year. And, and that was definitely needed because him... Harrison was that speed bump, that roadblock in the road for him. And for him to, you know, get that win back and the way that he did, it built Jamel back up, not how he was before, but stronger than what he ever had been. And that's where he, you know, that's where he is now. You look at his last fight with Jason Rosario. I mean, everything looked well. Everything looked sharp, you know. Uh, well, his big brother... Big Charlo, Jamal likes to say is when the mind meets up with the body, you know, I'm in my prime and I can't be beat. That's where Jamal is at right now. His mental has 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 matched up with his physical. Right now he is at, you know, just peak. He, he, he's peaking at 154. I mean, there, there's no other way to to really just put it. You know, he's, he, he's definitely at his best right now. And, you know, he's seeking to achieve big goals now if he's able to beat brian castaño saturday night i wonder you know what's next for him then you know will he move up to you know 60 and and, and chase some goals uh there you know look to be a champion there and and i mean he's pretty much done what he set out to do you know he's cleaned out his division right now there is no point to you know sit around and, and fight jared hurd Jed Hurd lost to Julian Williams a few years back, and he hasn't really been able to bounce back. You know, it, there's only one guy that I would like to see him fight right now, and it's Erickson Lubin. But other than that, you know, Jamel has done everything that, you know, he set out to do at 154. Man, 34-1, and one, he's got 18 knockouts. And uh, truthfully, I feel like Jamel Charlo should, you know, should be on people's pound-for-pound list. Saturday night, he gets that victory, becomes undisputed. He definitely should be top 10, if not top 5, on people's pound pound list. Um, but that is all in this episode of the Callaway Sports Podcast, man. I thank y'all for tuning in with me. This is our Spotlight Athlete segment. It has been Jamel Charlo. Be sure to tune in if you have showtime this Saturday. Jamel Charlo versus Brian Castaño. Y'all be safe. Y'all be blessed out there. Until next time, we'll be back here 